the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. We've got too much content to get to this week. Way too much content. It's going to be a week stuffed like a Easter feast. It's going to feel good. Um, Historic day with New York City and the Trump arraignment tomorrow. Passover, Easter, the Masters, the Jobs Report, probably a bunch of unexpected things that'll pop up, including, wait, wait, oil prices just jumped? Did OPEC do what? Yeah, yeah, we'll get there, trust me. Just when you think you see how the recovery is played out perfectly, you might have heard me last week and the week before go, I, I'm really surprised because we've got a couple days in a row of winning. We we could be forming a bottom here. Like I'm going on record of saying this is very, very constructive. This is the kind of constructive I want to see. And then boom, Sunday I turn on the news and OPEC has cut the amount of oil they're going to pump and oil's up 6%, very inflationary. With some analysts saying a jump from $65 oil to $100 oil is obvious. But more on that soon. Year to date, the Nasdaq's up 17%. The first quarter is over. Happy days are here again. S&P 500 up 7% for the year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up fractions. Talked with an old neighbor this weekend, and he's concerned about housing prices. And I'm like, okay, where are you on a five-year basis? He goes, up. Where are you on a three-year basis? He says, up. Where are you on a 10-year basis? He says, up. I said, where are you on a one-year basis? He goes, down. And I said, why don't you wait to see where you are on three, five, and 10 years in another two or three years? Like, look at the bigger picture and don't look at the bullet shot. And suddenly he's calm. It's really bizarre how we don't understand behaviorally to look at finance. Bitcoin's up 69%. Every schoolboy's giggling at that number right now. But Bitcoin, 27,983. It's doing what the markets aren't doing. It's surging. Microsoft's up 20% for the year. Investors have to feel pretty good. Head into the first trading day of the second quarter. I can't say the first quarter is all that bad, especially since we've had a banking crisis. If you were to tell me we're going to have a banking crisis in the first quarter, I'd be like, no way are we going to be up for the quarter. But Microsoft and Apple, the generals, have mounted their steeds and are marching higher. And they're a big part of the S&P 500 because it's a market-weighted index, and they're a big part of the NASDAQ for the same reason. Oil prices jumped 8% after OPEC and its allies made the surprising decision to cut output. The White House can't be happy with the Saudis since the production cut could be inflationary and lead to higher gas prices for Americans. I get it. I get both sides of this one. Saudi Arabia has a lot of oil, and the world is trying to wean itself off of their number one cash cow. And the sooner they get a diversified economy, like Riyadh is supposed to be huge. 
Riyadh, if I were a young man and I could somehow get a job overseas, Riyadh's the city that I'm picking. And we've seen this jump around from situations like Hong Kong, Taiwan, capital of Saudi. Um, different cities have their day. Endeavor Group, brother. This is the craziest story of the weekend, and it's not even that crazy. The parent company of UFC, Ultimate Fighting Cheerleaders, Ultimate Fighting Club, Ultimate Fighting something. You know, the guys who get in the ring and punch each other in the face and kick each other in the face with their knees. That one, the UFC. Well, they neared a blockbuster deal. Not done, but getting closer with a WWE. And it makes no sense. We all know the WWE is fake, and but we know that they're incredible athletes. We know that it's fun to watch. We know it's beautiful people or uh, big muscly people, which some people find attractive. Some people like skinny. Some people like a little bit of puff. Everyone has their different tastes in this world. But the WWE is definitely eye candy for some. And for children, it's it's fun. It's stories. UFC, I think they have some fiction going, but they also have uh, a fiction narrative, but they also have this crazy, just violent sport. Violent to me. Violent to me, just so you know. Not to everyone. I get it. We're all different. Ari Emanuel, the CEO of Endeavor. He's the guy that HBO modeled the, the agent, Jeremy Piven's character after on Entourage. Endeavor CEO Ari Manuel, UFC President Dana White, and WWE Executive Vince Mann are going to be working together. That's the craziest thing that I could imagine. Hey, you have this crazy agent, high strung. Then you get Dana White, who's been punched in the face so many times, he does not look like anyone you want to cross. And you get Vince McMahon, who, quite honestly, is one of the richest men in the world for figuring out one of the simplest things in the world, how to entertain children 6 to 12 years old. My kids went through a period of watching it. I hate. uh, No, 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 no. I enjoyed spending my time with my kids doing it, but I would rather watch something else on a Friday night. My wife hated it, but they're out of that phase now. WWE would have an enterprise value of about nine point three billion dollars. This is big because it's live entertainment. The UFC is the largest global mixed martial arts organization. It would be valued at about twelve billion it, it's quite interesting the way this is happening because ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox were all struggling. Streaming came along. Cable got like cut down. So the ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and they had all those channels on cable television. And every one of those channels, like the Travel Channel, every channel like QVC, every channel like TLC, you were paying a buck or two on your cable bill. And it was going to the ABCs, NBC, CBS, and Fox of the world. And then suddenly we started cutting the cord and we found this option called streaming and Netflix. The only thing streaming and Netflix really doesn't have is that tie to live entertainment. And I could see Netflix. I could absolutely 100% see Netflix licensing with this new company for live entertainment on Friday and Saturday nights. And I know wrestling also does like Monday and Wednesday as well. McMahon temporarily had McMahon temporarily had to retire. I don't know if you remember. He had some hush money payments sent to women who accused him of sexual harassment and misconduct. For the record, I, I almost want to talk about this. I looked back at some of my statements that I made 20 years ago on radio. Um, I was more offensive than I should have been, and I apologize for that. I would say things like, um, there's always going to be people who are ugly. 
we're always going to need makeup. And it's just, it's, I need to be more, well, I am aware that I made mistakes. But even on top of that, like, wow. Um, Some of the content you throw out in financial media to get people's attention doesn't age well, is what I'm saying. Oh. All things considered, I, I'm proud of what I've done, but there's some there's some mistakes here and there for sure. Deadly tornadoes are a thing this spring. 69 tornadoes. 69 tornadoes touched down across eight states on Saturday, leaving at least 32 people dead. Now, as long as I can remember, and I don't know about you, do you ever remember hearing 69 tornadoes in one weekend? A roof collapsing at an Illinois theater where people were attending a heavy metal concert, which everyone probably thought was part of the show. That killed one attendee. That same storm is heading east. It's knocking out power. Hundreds of people. Uh, New York City is uh, one World Trade Center out of power. Like, it's pretty crazy to see. Elon Musk has put a bounty out for trying to catch who uh, is leaking source code. That's fascinating. Some of these things you just don't see coming. I'm Rob Black, and did you see the women's basketball this weekend? Powerful stuff. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Home prices suddenly jump after several months of decline. That's a headline. Oil prices are jumping. Those are both inflationary. We have to have oil to fuel our vehicles, to fire up our factories, to make things that we consume. And we need shelter, whether it's through renting or buying. And if you're an owner of a home, you try not to rent it for losing money, being upside down. So I could see how home prices jumping is just a, oof. Now, they didn't rise a lot, but they rose. Prices nationally rose one six or 16 basis points. 100 basis points equals 1%. So this is less than a quarter basis point. It's less than 20% of 1%. But it's still a teenage number, and it's still moving higher, which it all adds up when you're buying a home. In December and January, mortgage rates began pulling back. Home buyers surged ahead. The correction that we're having in the stock market, I believe, lasts somewhere between six months and 36 months. And I think the same thing can be said with for housing. Housing tends to start its correction a little later than the economy uh, versus when the stock market does. The stock market has kind of got that crystal ball thing going, the omnipresent one single eyeball. So unexpectedly strong home sales at the start of the year reversed a sharp several month decline in home prices. Behind the quick change are wide swings in mortgage rates. It seems that housing prices fall when we're around 7% and housing prices rise when we're around 6%. Do you see how some of these numbers are starting to play out? The 10-year treasury that the United States government issues when that 10-year treasury is under 3, 3.5%, stocks roar. Right around 3.5%, stocks work ahead. Right around 4%, stocks start to get sluggish. This is an ominous sign if your spouse works at McDonald's as an executive. They closed their corporate offices this weekend. They're about to get ready to fire people. Now, again, why do I bring this one up? For me... This is not a tech company that overhired. This is not a tech company who overexpanded. 
This is not a tech company who would hire people and jokingly put them in closets waiting to use them in the years ahead. McDonald's is a little bit more real. McDonald's and Disney feel a little bit more like that's a real layoff in the U.S. economy. That's sort of what I believe we need to fight the higher prices of oil and fight the higher prices of homes. McDonald's reportedly temporarily shuts its U.S. offices and prepares layoff notices. That is just ominous. Can you imagine? You went home on Friday and you're told, don't come in to work on Monday. We're going to be announcing who we're letting go. And we basically don't want them here until we can get a plan to usher them out of the offices. That's the way I'm reading it. I don't know if you're reading in between the lines there, but that's what I'm reading. The first quarter ended with a bang. Second quarter, not exactly booming as far as start goes. A Financial Time report implies the cut announcement by OPEC could have some political undertones as Saudi Arabia was reportedly irritated that the Biden administration did not purchase oil to refill the strategic petroleum reserve. We, we, we dropped a lot of our oil. And if we could pick that oil back up to, to build up the supplies in case we go to war, we'll have like a 15 day supply in the United States. Like that's not exactly reassuring. I think that was the whole basic idea on strategic reserves at one point in time. Or at least that was the underlying implication that I was taught. So OPEC OPEC plus mixed things up with that surprise announcement over the weekend. Oil prices and oil stocks are headed higher today. Chevron was up 6% in pre-market. It's moving up that number now. Endeavor Group's announcement that UFC and WWE will combine in a $21 billion global live sports and entertainment company. Extra Space Storage, ticker symbol EXR. They did an acquisition of Life Storage LSI. I do like storage companies for income. I don't really like storage companies for anything else. Now, I know you're saying a storage company. Yeah, you know um, how Americans collect a lot of junk? And I, I, I've seen this firsthand. A uh, good friend of mine, his father and mother retired and they moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. And then their health started to decline and so they moved back to the East Coast and put a lot of their stuff in storage. Four or five years later, it's it's 60 months of paying storage fees or they throw your stuff in the street. For stuff you're not using, paying to store it, I don't get it. It seems to be like you almost have to be, excuse me for saying this. Um, low IQ to buy into like, hey, I'm going to store this. Um, I knew a person who in high school, she basically left her family and moved to the West Coast. And she boxed up all of her high school stuff and like her cheerleading outfit, her yearbooks and put it in storage. 10, 15 years later, she goes to get it because she's tired of paying the bills and there was water damage in the storage unit and everything was ruined. If there is one person who I find a hero in this world, it's Marie Kondo and her whole storage thing. Now, I've never actually watched 10 minutes of her show, but I know she's about decluttering. Never read a book. I know a person who's gone to one of her seminars to become a Marie Kondo acolyte or something like that. And uh, we have too much junk in the United States. In my opinion, again, I shout like an old man. I get it. Trust me. I get it. 
I'm picking up my own old man vibe at this point in time. Tesla's up with an update. Tesla reported vehicle deliveries are about 35% from last year in the first quarter following price cuts. They're up 35%. Now, it's a shame that, to me, Elon Musk is coming out as a kind of, not a wackadoodle, but we adored him for what he did with Tesla. We, we, we admired him for, he's, Hey, he sent this big company, uh, this big uh, robot thing underground to drill holes from city to city. Wow. I wouldn't have thought of that or we would have thought about it. We would never figure out how to do it. We used to adore him for the right reasons. And then right the time he went on Saturday night live, we started turning on him. Like, do we have to hear your political opinions? Can't you just sit up, go over there and sit and look pretty? Nope. But uh, this would be a number where we're going, he's a genius. But over the weekend, he's mad at the New York Times. New York Times said, we're not paying for a blue check mark. A lot of celebrities are saying we're not paying for a blue check mark. That blue check mark day is coming soon. I never had a blue check mark. Don't want a blue check mark. Won't get a blue check mark. But I'm also not the type of celebrity where someone could impersonate me and, and go around and rip people off. Um. My Twitter presence is really to promote my media and investments ideas. Um, and you can find it at Twitter for now, Rob Black Show. Now, I'm sure someone's going to jump it on Real Rob Black Show and The Rob Black Show and all the other variations of it. Soon to, soon to send you scamming messages. But, man, Elon Musk is fighting with the New York Times. He's fighting with hackers. It'd be nice if he... Don't you expect to see him on WWE soon? Don't you kind of expect to see him on WWE soon? Come on, when I said that, it kind of rung true. I'd rather see him dancing in front of Tesla robots. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archive podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. I pledge that if you listen, I'll do my best to find some financial nuggets to get you wiser. The podcast, I make sure it's under 45 minutes every day. On rare occasion, do I stretch it? But I pledge if you listen 20, 30, 40 minutes a day, you're going to pick something up. And you don't have to listen every day. I get that. I wouldn't listen to my own show every day. And certainly if I didn't have a job in radio, I wouldn't do the show every day. Um, Because I think probably what you need is three to four times a week most And one of those could be the weekend while you're out in the garden. Let's hit some quick thoughts. One of the stocks that I'm looking to accumulate are companies that have total total addressable markets, what's called TAM. Um, I'm looking for a huge number there. Anytime you can get to 100 million people, a billion people. When you start talking about what Apple is, what Amazon is, what Google searches are, what Microsoft is installed computers, their total addressable markets are typically huge numbers. Hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions. Now, I think the best days to invest in them were 1999. And we're not there right now. But one of the companies that I think is trying to become an Apple and Amazon and Alphabet and Microsoft 
and wear that luscious golden jacket of a trillion dollar club founder. And I think they can do it. I'm about to say something that you may go out and invest in. And let me, before I say it, say consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks I ever mentioned on the show. I'm not kidding. I think a company that to look to acquire on dips and already own one of the two pieces that I think is important here. And I told you last year I was buying more AMD, uh, not AMD. I told you last year I was buying NVIDIA and it's up 80% since I told you I did that. You can find nuggets on this show if you listen. Now I bought some Amazon last year and that's not up that much. But Amazon, I think they can cut jobs for the next three years in a row and that'll drive their stock. So the next one that I think that I'm going to add to that trillion dollar club, it's AMD and I kind of gave it away. Maybe I'll edit out the, the fact that I let that slip. The first billion dollar company was formed in 1901 and over the following 117 years, the industries that created the most value in the stock market transitioned between steel, car, manufacturing, industrial products, and finally into technology. So in 2018, when tech giant Apple became the first company in the world to amass a trillion dollar market cap, it kind of opened the door for Microsoft, Amazon, Google to follow. I think NVIDIA is an obvious one with the artificial intelligence push that's about to happen. And basically, they're the maker of high artificial intelligence chips. But AMD is not exactly a slouch either in high-end performance chart semiconductors. Now, keep in mind, at one point in time in the 1980s, we probably would have said the same thing about Intel and Cyrix and National Semiconductor and AMD, who only made CPUs at that point in time. One of the things I like about AMD was their acquisition last year of Xilinx. I've never really liked AMD compared to NVIDIA, but I'm liking what I'm seeing them put together now. NVIDIA continues to drive artificial intelligence forward, and that's not going to stop anytime soon. It could be a two-year play. It could be a three-year play. To the point that I'm up large in the last eight months, and part of me is saying, Books of profits, take the profits and run. And part of me is saying, like, short term, this AI push is going to be a pretty big one. It's being modeled that AI could add 14 trillion in revenue opportunities by 2030 into AI generative models, with the potential of adding 200 trillion in output to the global economy. NVIDIA is one of the only suppliers of the tools AI developers need to unlock the value. Now, again, if I truly believe those numbers, I would sell my children and and put the the cash in to it. I'm kidding about that. But I would be doing everything I can to get every piece of cash, everything under my mattress invested. And I'm not doing that. In the end, what could go wrong? A lot. AMD could lead the high-performance computing industry which is not quite the AI side. But when I look at the market cap of AMD at $158 billion, I do see a path to $1 trillion. It's not an easy path. Adaptive hardware can be reconfigured even in the manufacturing process, depending on the workload. Its output can be adjusted in a live environment. And that's where Xilinx comes in. They're the global leader in adaptive technology. AMD believes the combined companies will lead high-performance computing for decades to come. 
So what NVIDIA has, AMD doesn't want AMD has, NVIDIA doesn't. And they're both very well positioned to take advantage of a trend. Am I telling you to do it? Nope. I pledge that if you listen, I'll give you ideas. That's all I do. Apple, this is going to be an interesting fall for Apple because in the springtime, moving into the summer, we get the uh, developers, the Worldwide Developers Conference out of Apple. And if there's going to be a headset that wins, it needs to follow the same exact path that the smartwatch did. I can tell you because I was here when Apple smartwatch came out many, many years ago, people laughed at it. Um, It didn't have all the functionality ready for prime time. The first generation, I think, was dumb, considering it was supposed to be a smartwatch. And they they heard the feedback, and they improved it. So Apple's best chance to hit a home run with the headset is probably to have a flop of a debut, only to get it better for the second year where they lower prices and developers get the hang of what they're trying to pull off. Apple's technology development group, the team behind the Mixed Reality Initiative, has discreetly shown the product to companies' top decision makers every year since 2018. They're called Fight Club demos when they show up to management, which you remember Brad Pitt. A pretty likable movie, all things considered. But what was the first rule of Fight Club? You don't talk about Fight Club. And the same thing's going on with Apple's technology development group. So there's a lot of secrets. But we know that the demonstrations are polished, they're glitzy, they're exciting. This could be a negative for Apple because the perception is when it fails that they failed. But the experience that we've had is that if they can do it like the watch, go back to the drawing board and make it better, you're looking at a three-year run of a product that's twice as expensive as a phone. The device is going to start around $3,000. It's going to lack a killer app. It's going to require an external battery that will need to be replaced every couple of hours. It's going to use a design that some testers have deemed uncomfortable. It's going to launch with limited media content. Now, what happens if Apple buys Disney or merges with Disney? We'll call it a merger of equals, even though they want to be. And then suddenly they make their headset all about immersion into Disney World. There's a great article that I'm working on turning into a story for television about how miserable it is to go to Disney World now. There's two types of people, people that don't have a plan and they just wander around the park and wait for, you know, two hours in a line to ride three rides a day. And they get out of that experience and they're like, whoa, I just spent $4,000 for a day of nothing or a flight, hotels and everything combined. Okay, it's not $4,000 to get to the park. And then there's people who go to Disney World and they overplan everything down to the minute, down to the second. And there's the Genie Pass, there's the Genie Plus Pass, there's the Fast Lane Pass, there's the Solo Fast Lane Pass. There's too many options for the people who want to plan it, and they're getting overwhelmed and stressed. So the happiest place on the world is the happiest place on the world. Which, for the record, if I were an amateur filmmaker, which in my college years, my my goal was to be a playwright, to work in Hollywood, to produce theater, and eventually write a TV show, and you, you get the idea. I have a great idea for a TV show if you ever buy me a beer, which I'm going to do a not buy Rob Black a beer event, but probably in about 30 days, we're going to meet at a brewery informally. I'm going to hand out some research 
I'm going to let you turn in your portfolio, give us about a week or two, and we're going to give you feedback on where you are in your portfolio. It's not going to be called Buy Rob Black a Beer, but if you were to buy Rob Black a Beer, I can share um, some theories with you that I have out there, like even my, my screenplay that I've got a movie written and I've got a TV show written. And when I want to produce them, I will. Um, and that'll be my next step probably out of financial media, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. It's hard to compare Apple Watch. And by the way, I am pretty well published in fiction in other areas of the world from my college days. I had a, again, I'm digressing. Buy me a beer and I'll tell you all about it. It's hard to compare the directly with the Apple Watch, but the Apple headset and the AirPods, you know, the AirPods, when they first came out, people were like, they look weird. People will never wear them. And now it's a sign that you're successfully at the gym with an AirPod. One two, Air, two AirPods, because people lose. The wearables division has grown from about $10 billion when the Apple Watch debuted to $41 billion. That's not bad. Can Apple achieve the same kind of success with a headset? It's going to be difficult. Um, but if they get the right content, maybe it's media content, maybe it's video game content. I can tell you the study PlayStation 2 VR, PS5, P2 VR, I think that's what it's called. Um, it's a, it's kind of a flop. It's sold over a million units, but people are afraid to spend $600 and not get content. So I think if Apple really, really wanted the next product to be successful, they're going to have to have content ready for virtual reality, augmented reality. And Disney would satisfy a lot of content. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The number one question I get on a regular basis is, can I retire with X amount of money? Typically, when you're saying 600000 I'm like, nope. I don't know you and I don't know your budget, but typically I've never seen anyone that could retire with $600,000 of a nest egg and Social Security. So I ask a lot of questions. A friend of mine from radio 25 years ago, the very first person I sat in on his show, he used to do a show called USAM. He contacted me recently and he came in some money and I was happy to tell him. Uh, it took me about two weeks to go through his portfolio and to go through some questions and answers with him. And I went through it with my CFP, Dan Fetterman, not my CFP, but he works with the EP and he's a friend of mine. Um, but Dan's like, here's the good news. He, this guy just, he's set for life and he's going to have enough money to set his children up for life. And when we wrote up the the paper on it and his wife got emotionally happy, um, that's one of the coolest things I do in this world because he didn't really quite know that. I think he kind of had a clue. It was life-changing money. Uh, we're talking the tunes of two to five million, ultimately, and how you play it for the next couple of years. It could be five million. It could be one million. Um, so the question that I get is, what well, can I retire off X amount of dollars? And what I just did for my friend from the past 25 years ago, I'm going to be willing to do for you. If you want to come meet me and hand deliver your portfolio or upload it to me and take 10 questions and answer them, I will give you a basic idea of yes or no, you're on the right path. And on top of it, I'll tell you what you're doing right or what you're doing wrong. I'm going to be announcing that event. It's going to be free. It's going to be very limited. In about three weeks, it's going to be meet me at a local brewery because they have a lot of open tables, indoors and outdoors. And I don't have to pay for an expensive room. 
and you don't want to go to a hotel and listen to me speak for two hours about how to save for retirement. It's going to be very informal. So I actually started dieting so I could lose a little bit of my pudge before now and then. Um, so a question, can you retire off $2 million? And I, I throw that down there because I think when I was 20, I said, I want $1 million so I can retire. And I'll be honest with you. I think I could retire with $2 million if I was single and had no kids. But to me, the number is more like four to five million being married with children. I've way past that now. So I'm not even thinking about stressing on that. Can you live off the returns of a $2 million account? The answer is yes, but you need to be smart about it. Ideally, you don't draw down on the core principle. You can do so, of course, for example, someone who took $75,000 a year out of a $2 million account could coast for 25 years, but then you're going to run dry and after 25 years, you're going to be 85 with nothing. 75,000 is very doable to me, being a single person now. If I were retired and not have a wife and kids, but that's a fantasy world. How much income do you need is the big question. And about a million could pay you $40,000 a year right now, pre-tax. Two million could pay you about 60000 is my opinion, after tax. And then you throw in Social Security, which I don't think is going to be something that boasts your bottom line. I think it's going to be something that takes care of your health care expenses. That's on the conservative side, okay? I would rather be wrong being conservative than be right being aggressive. Social Security does provide a stable source of income for elderly Americans, and it's a fantastic supplement. The average retiree collects $1,650 per month. But again, after you pay taxes in some states and Medicare, Medicaid, Medi-Cal in other states, you may not have that much left over. High yield savings accounts right now. One year treasury bills, certificate of deposits, S&P 500 index funds, taking part of that two million and putting it in cash like equivalents so that you don't need the money for three years. First segment of the show, I said we're about 14, 15. 15 months into the stock correction. The housing market's about six months into its correction. Typically, they will last between six months and 36 months. And this one could be engineered to be significantly shorter than normal. But then the Saudis are in the oil wrench this weekend. Oh. Now, that's, that's not as bad as the banking crisis, but we got through the banking crisis pretty well in, in January, February, and March. So let's keep moving forward, okay? I don't really want to retire at 55. I want to transition into retirement starting at 55. Spending more time with my children, spending more time enjoying the earth, traveling while my legs are still moving. And then when I hit 65, I'm thinking the next 10 years, it's like, let's cut all pressure out and start giving back charitably. I plan to work for a high school as a journalism teacher. Um, that's the basic idea. Could be a private school. It could be fourth graders. It could be 12th graders. Um, but I think the art of telling a story needs to be combined with the art of researching. And we go further as a society, the more people figure that out. A lot of adults make simple money mistakes. I'm trying to stop that from happening. Adults who know how to build a budget, save for emergencies and manage debt, find it easier to make ends meet when things are financially fragile um, budgets aren't fun they're not sexy 
I know you and your spouse fell in love and you were both very, very sexy. And then when it comes time to talk budget, you're like, oh, I wish they would just shut their mouth kind of thing. But budgets are very, very important. Um, a lot of people don't save for emergencies because they see cash in their hand and they want to use it. I will admit, and this is this is something I, I came to a conclusion on recently. I've been a little too tight with money and my spouse has been wanting to spend a little bit more. And I'm okay in the spending more. It's tough though, right? Working with your partner on emergency savings and managing debt. Um, I own a few properties and I'm not paying them off. I got low cost mortgages, but in her head, mortgages are bad. We should pay them off. Now let's talk about bank accounts real quick. How many bank accounts should you have? Depends on where you are and how much you have in your life. With a recent financial crisis, people have gotten freaked out about where do they put their savings account? Where do they put their emergency account? First and foremost, put your spouse on your bank account and put your children as they would inherit the money if you both died. That increases your insurance. We'll talk about banks and multiple banks in a future episode. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.